1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented by the Armchair All-Americans. I'm your host Chris Phillips. Uh, Being joined today by a very, very special guest who I'm going to get to in just a second. But first, uh, if you're not tuned in yet or subscribed to the Spurs Up Show, not really sure what you're doing at this point, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share and download the Spurs Up Show on iTunes, the Stitcher app. Wherever you consume your media, wherever you consume your podcast, make sure to go check us out at the Spurs Up Show. Uh, Be sure to also check out – we have a new Twitter account for the Spurs Up Show as well. Pretty simple, at the Spurs Up Show. Please follow us there for all the – uh, news, all of our questions, you tweet tweet at us for the shows, anything and everything happening with the podcast, go follow us there. Uh, for Armchair South Carolina specifically, check us out on all of our social media handles at ArmchairSCar, Instagram at ArmchairSCarolina. And of course, like I mentioned, ArmchairAllAmericans.com for all your latest breaking game news and coverage uh, and the podcast, of course. So like I said, I'm joined by a very, very special guest today. Uh, he is a college football writer and analyst for CBS Sports, host of the SEC Smothered and Covered podcast and also the College Wall Hangover podcast. Uh, noted Braves fan, noted bachelor, Bachelorette watcher, either one. And as far as I'm concerned, what you can see on Twitter, a hater of the Georgia Bulldogs, according to all of his Twitter followers. So I want to welcome in uh, Barrett Salee to the show. Barrett, how's it going, man? Appreciate you coming on.
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for
1: having me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, uh, had to throw that in there. I know you, you're, your Twitter followers love to have fun with you as far as it feels like you're, you are hated and loved by every single SEC fan base. Kind of an interesting uh, dynamic there.
2: Well, I mean, you know, I it wasn't so long ago that Georgia fans hated me, and uh, then I picked them to win the SEC this past summer, and suddenly they love me. And, uh, you know, it, it, my whole thing is this, is, um, you know, I, I try to be honest with people, you know, and I'm, sometimes I'm wrong, and sometimes I'm right. And if people want to make some sort of referendum on what kind of fan I am based on picks and what I think of a team or what I don't think of a team – then they're just trying to rationalize a predetermined opinion of their team and of me. And uh, you know, some, some I always say the, the bias card is a crutch for the week for both positive and negative because um, you know, you, you already you already know what your opinion wants to be. I'm just saying something that either confirms it or denies it and and then you you react accordingly if you don't have any other argument.
1: Absolutely. well Barry, you know, we, we me and you both know that Twitter is definitely the best place for uh for logic and for things that actually make sense.
2: There's lots of nuance. Very <laughs> constructive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, we want to jump right in. We're going to talk about it. It's great to talk college football again. Um, spring practice, spring games are coming up. We're going to talk a lot of football today. Um, first thing I kind of want to touch on that I noticed that I tweeted at all of our listeners. Um, you know, you said on your show last week, the uh, uh, Smother and Cover podcast, that South Carolina, in your opinion, was the best bet to, in the SEC um, to win the national title, per the odds of Bovada, talk kind of talk about that. Explain kind of your logic on that, and you know why you would uh, put your money on the Gamecocks as sort of your dark horse there of all the other teams.
2: Well, I, I think a lot of people confuse best bet with most likely, and those are two completely different things. Best bet means you look at the value, you look at the odds, and the value is there. And Bovada has South Carolina at plus fifty thousand. Uh, that's tied for the least likely team in the SEC to win the national championship with Arkansas, Vandy, Kentucky, um, you know, teams like that. And, um, that actually it got worse since January, because it was plus 15,000. Now it's plus 50,000. So, um, there's no way in hell that South Carolina is the least likely team in the SEC or tied for the least likely team in the SEC to win the national championship. Uh, and uh, you look at that division. Yeah. Georgia is a behemoth. We all know that. Um, I think Georgia's going to win the SEC this year, or SEC East anyway, and potentially the national championship again, or uh, be in that game again. So, um, you know, saying South Carolina is the best bet to, to to win the national championship in the SEC doesn't mean they're the most likely. It just means look at the value, and the value is there because look, they, they return almost everybody. I think they've found a really good defensive groove. I think they'll improve offensively. Uh, Jake Bentley, I think that his month in November last year was the the anomaly. It wasn't the trend and they they get a bunch of playmakers back and they get georgia in columbia in week two and it i don't think they're going to win that game I, I think georgia will win that game but if i'm wrong if south carolina wins they're going to be a 10-win team and if you're a 10-win team or at least have nine wins going to play clemson at the final weekend of the year you're kind of in the national championship hunt so um plus 50, is just insane i mean that, that is that is crazy so yeah. I mean, I I, I don't think they're going to win the East. I think I think Georgia's going to run away with it. But if South Carolina wins that game in week two, then South Carolina's got a pretty good shot of winning the SEC East and therefore becoming at least a, a little bit of a threat in the national t- title race. So I'll take plus 50,000 if that's the case.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I'm actually a noted gambler a little bit myself. And I I definitely agree with you as far as value goes that that, that number definitely stuck out to me because I, I agree. I think that to put South Carolina again down there with maybe the Missouris, Vanderbilts, Arkansas is a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit of slap in the face, a little bit, I, it was a little bit puzzling to me. Um, but yeah, definitely agree with you there. Um, talking back to 2017, because I, I want to touch lightly on it really quickly. Obviously South Carolina uh, finished 8-3 and three in the regular season, 9-3 with a huge bowl win over Michigan, a comeback win. Um, looking back at that year, talk about kind of your overall thoughts of the South Carolina football team, their season in 2017, and what grade would you give uh, Will Muschamp in year two of his of his coaching tenure? I'd give him an A because they were a
2: nine win team. They lost Debo Samuel in week one. They lost like what three running backs throughout the course of the season yep. at any given time. You had Jake Bentley turn into a pick machine. Um, so and yet you know they still won nine games in year two. So um, to me, I, I just it's uh, Will Muschamp's changed. He's I, I and I, and he'll tell you this. He looks a lot a lot, a lot more comfortable there. I think he changed as a head coach his final year at Florida prior to the prior to the final year at Florida um, did all of the right things that year, but just didn't have a quarterback that was comfortable enough with the system to help him out uh, and it was a fishbowl down there and at south carolina he's he's far more relaxed I think he's figured out what he wants to be offensively. I think he figured out how he wants to recruit offensively uh, because South carolina really uh, is has got much more structure um with its recruiting practices towards the end of the Spurrier era, they hadn't like Steve, Steve didn't know who was showing up on campus at, at any given weekend. <laughs> they didn't really have any, you know, conversations. It was all over the place and they were in conversations. I think they shouldn't have been in because they felt like because they got Jadavian Clowney, Marcus Lattimore, Stefan Gilmore, that they were a big time program now. And the truth of the matter is they, you know, they weren't, they, those guys were South Carolina guys. They fell into South Carolina's lap at a time when Clemson was dysfunctional still and, and, and South Carolina was the chic program. And that, I think, the misconception by the previous staff of how to recruit, I think, was a the reason the, the downturn happened so quickly, um, you know, at the, toward the end of the Spurrier era, and the reason why Will had some issues in year one, um, you know, going to the Birmingham Bowl, because the talent just wasn't there. And then now you look at what they're doing – whether it be recruiting Wanham or some of these other guys, they're, they're getting into conversations that they know they can win. They may not win all of them, but they, they understand where they are. They understand how they want to recruit. They understand how they want to play. And they understand their place in the pecking order because it, you're not going to beat Clemson heads up in, in the majority of recruiting battles. You're not going to go into Atlanta and go heads up with Kirby and Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn and win recruiting battles. You're just not going to do that. So pick the ones that you have a legitimate shot in And don't bother with the other stuff uh, because in the end you want guys that want to be there. And if if you can focus your attention on those those guys on the recruiting trail, you can still find the guys that want to be there that are good players that you can coach up uh, that'll take pride in not only themselves, their program. So I I give him an A. I mean, he's, I I think he's the perfect fit for South Carolina and I think South Carolina, um, you know, really fits what he is as a person and because he is the kind of guy who he's just, he's a, he's a football nerd. I mean, he is a big time football nerd and he wants guys that, that fit him and fit that mindset. He doesn't, he, he, while he's coached superstar players in the past, I, I think the, the attention that, that those guys get sometimes brings their attention elsewhere. Once they get on campus, looking toward the NFL or whatever. He wants guys that are in the here and now buy into what they are, what program they're at and what they're doing on any, any given practice or any given game. And, and at South Carolina, he's able to do that at Florida. You're recruiting actually at a higher level, which makes it harder for Will based on his personality.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I was going to just touch on what you talked about with recruiting. I definitely agree with you with the last staff with Spurrier and those guys, they definitely, there was lacks in recruiting. And I think, the biggest things I've noticed with Muschamp is, you know, his ability to evaluate talent. Like you were mentioning, a guy like DJ Wanham. I mean, I don't think – I think his other offer was like Indiana. Wasn't really a highly thought of guy. And now DJ Wanham, I, you know, I I think in most people's opinions, is an all-SEC type caliber player. And then, uh, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, well, Muschamp has hit the recruiting chill hard. South Carolina, even when they're not getting some of these bigger name guys, like a, I think first one that comes to my mind is a KJ Henry who went to Clemson they're at least in the conversations and coming down to the final five, final three schools, if you will. Um, and I think that's an improvement for South Carolina, like you mentioned. I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, with the success especially that Clemson and Georgia have had, you're not going to go into Atlanta and just get the top kid. You're not going to, you know, get the top kids really everywhere. But the fact that they're in those conversations, I think, I think building, you know – as South Carolina starts to have a little bit more success, I think they may be able to steal one or two of those guys a year. What would you say to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I think they they understand that to get to that point, they have to build on what they've 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 already accomplished, and that that's going to take some time. Um, but you know, and it's funny because they, they actually had some decent players. I just think you know, and they had decent recruiters in the former staff. Like G.A. Mangus was an awesome is an mm-hmm. awesome recruiter. Yeah. Um, but none of those guys talk. Like, Steve Spurrier had no plan. He had no he he had no organizational skills. You know, toward the end of his tenure, and, and really stopped caring. I think to a, to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they'll they'll go in and get some get some guys now. Um, especially if they can contend with Georgia again. You know, especially if they you know go. I mean, uh, people in Georgia, high school kids in Georgia, took notice of last year when when South Carolina played Georgia tough uh, in Sanford Stadium. If they can do the same thing in Columbia in Week Two, when I think when you look at the landscape of college football, it's gonna be one of the bigger games that weekend. Um, then even if they lose. You know, kids in, in this state and it's a talent rich state where I live, we'll will look at South Carolina and say, OK, do I want to go ride the pine at Georgia for three years, even though that's still a really good idea? Or do I want to get comparable coaching? Maybe not as good a coaching, but comparable coaching uh, at South Carolina and play earlier. And if, if you can start making that a legitimate possibility for some of these kids, then some of them are going to bite. And and at that point, then. Um, then you're going to have a little bit more chance to have sustained success. And I think that's the problem with South Carolina is that the the back-to-back-to-back 11-win seasons preceded by an SEC East championship, I think got South Carolina fans in the mindset that they should be in, be that every year. And South Carolina really can't be that every year. They can be a team with, a, with an 8-win floor, but those 10-11-win seasons – they're going to come once every two, three years, and and so as long as you make that floor really darn high, then then um, you'll be fine. And I think Will Muschamp is has already done that. And as long as they continue to be at least somewhat relevant in the division, we'll continue to do that.
1: Absolutely, and I you know coming from myself, who's been a South Carolina follower fan my entire life, I think I speak for most reasonable South Carolina fans and. Uh, any that don't think this I think are just kind of off their rocker a little bit but if you give South Carolina fans a team like that that has that eight win floor uh, and then every two to three years say you catch lightning in a bottle 10 11 wins go to Atlanta I I don't know many fans that are going to turn that down so uh, South Carolina fans at least Um, so I want to move ahead obviously you know spring practice is going on right now in the middle of spring practice you talked a little bit about um, will Met, Muschamp, kind of what he's learned from his days at Florida, and now you know going with a new offensive scheme. Obviously, South Carolina ditched Kurt Roper uh, at the end of the last season, which you know on this show we were we were very much Kurt Roper uh, uh, critical of Kurt Roper, if you will. Brian McClendon, the new OC, they hired Dan Warner from uh, who was previously at Ole Miss, was an offensive analyst at Alabama to come be the quarterbacks coach to coach up Jake Bentley, his coach likes of Bo Wallace, Chad Kelly, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> How do you feel about the new offensive staff? Obviously, there's not a ton on Brian McClendon. I think he's probably going to have Dan Werner in his ear a ton, a guy who's been around the game of college football for, I don't know, 30-plus years. I could be wrong, but a long time. How do you feel overall about that general offensive staff off of what you know right now?
2: You know, I like it. I like McClendon when he was the interim coach at Georgia when Rick got fired. Um, I, I think he, he kind of patiently waited his turn on that staff at Georgia um, and then found a really good spot in, in, at South Carolina where he knew he could continue to do what he did well, which primarily was recruiting, but also probably had a little bit more of a chance for, you know, upward mobility. And and here he is now as the coordinator. And, you know, I, it's, he he runs the same sort of system, right? Like, Will Muschamp, I think people don't realize he, he actually is an offensive geek, too. He, he loves talking about offensive football, mostly because he likes trying to stop it. But, you know he likes talking about how he's evolved. He told us on our SiriusXM show, you know, two years ago, how you know all these kids now putting them in shotgun, um, you know, is 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 the way of the future. And he loves teaching these kids. And and kind of comes from that same mold. And I think what what he has sort of on, on his plate that maybe Kurt Roper doesn't have is that McClendon was on the Georgia staff when they sort of went pure pro style to more patriot pro style which is you know shotgun out of the spread don't necessarily have to have a running quarterback but a little tempo based whatever uh but still power football and in south carolina uh i don't think really got to that point under kurt roper because kurt roper maybe was a little too i I wouldn't say creative i i I just say I, i i just think he couldn't figure out the identity properly and McClendon, I think, understands what that identity needs to be. And it's the same idea that Will Muschamp has. So I think from a personality standpoint and from a philosophical standpoint, they fit really well. Uh, Warner, I think, like you said, you know, he, he understands how to accentuate a quarterback's positives and also hide their weaknesses um, really well because Bo Wallace had a lot of weaknesses. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like the staff. I, you know, I think it's a staff that um, it, it, it's – it's perfect for what they want to be. Um, they're young, aggressive recruiters. T. Rob on the defensive side of the football too. Young, aggressive um, recruiters. Creative. Uh, understand what what you know recruits like to hear. Understand understand what today's football sort of is, um, and and understands what South Carolina wants to be. I think obviously T-Rob and, and Muschamp have been together for a long time. Um, and then now with McClendon, I think he understands well, – Will Muschamp wants to sort of replicate what what Georgia had um, you know, under Bobo, and and McClendon was there for that. And I think he's a perfect guy to help do that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I You know, I saw a quote today. I wasn't sure if you saw this on Twitter, but something Tom Luganville said, and I'm obviously paraphrasing, that he, he sat in on a spring practice and basically said South Carolina – you know he's never seen Will Muschamp run this type of offense. They're going with the tempo, tempo of an organ type offense, if you will. Do you do you expect South Carolina in 2018 to move that quickly as far as tempo? Do you think that's going to be kind of their their uh, end all be all is tempo, 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 or do you think it's a little bit over over exaggeration?
2: Uh, well, like Tom. Tom's been my co-host on SXM a bunch. Um, they're not going to go organ. <laughs> right. I, I don't. I was going to say I don't
1: think they have the players to do that.
2: Personally. Yeah. I mean, I they, that is um. That's aggressive, Uh, and the and I really it's not really the offensive players that you worry about. It's it's your defense is going to be out there for way too long. Um, and so I I think they're going to definitely go in that direction, and they will, and they already have gone in that direction. But they're not going to go that fast. They just they don't have the bodies, they don't have the depth, um, they don't have the you know. I think Will once any defense to be like his Auburn defense was when he was at uh, there that one season with Lawson in that group in 15 uh, like his Florida defenses were when he was the head coach there. They had you know, basically 9, 10, 11 defensive linemen they could rotate. South Carolina's got a really good defensive front I think this year but they don't have that kind of depth. So uh, if you're going to go that fast you need to have that kind of line, uh, line depth on the defensive side of the ball and it takes, even at a place like you know, Florida or Alabama or Auburn or wherever. It takes a long time to get that kind of depth.
1: Absolutely. So I want to move ahead. Obviously, South Carolina spring game is this Saturday at noon at Williams-Brice Stadium. Um, the spring game comes up Saturday. Like I said, Barrett, I'm the kind of person where, you know, I get really, really hyped. Obviously, spring football, the spring game finally comes. You get to get back in the stadium. It's a it's a little bit of a tease, a little bit of taste of college football, if you will. Uh, and I get in the stadium. I'm, I'm about 30 minutes in, pretty jacked up. And I'm kind of, it comes to the realization, well, this is a glorified scrimmage. <laughs> what what do you really take? I mean, because I, I want to know what do you really take away from spring games? Do you think there's any merit to guys? Because I was thinking about actually putting out a piece of content this week of all the guys that I can remember that were spring game standouts that never either never played or never built off of that hype, if you will. What do you really take away from spring games when you watch them? Boredom. <laughs> like honestly, like that's what it. I, the only thing that I
2: nowadays, and this has changed in ten years uh, since you know a decade ago, and. And really, it's because all these games are on TV, and all these coaches are super, super paranoid about everything that they do. <laughs> um, yeah, every single one of them is. Um, it's you know, it's more just who lines up with the ones, who lines up with the twos. Right. Like that's that's all I care about. I don't care how well they play. I don't care how bad they play. I I, I legitimately don't care. Uh, did anybody get hurt? Hopefully not. And who lined up with the ones, and who lined up with the twos? That's and, and really. You write down the ones and the twos in pencil because it's probably going to get relate, uh, erased anyway. Uh, but these coaches, they're so dang paranoid about everything. It's just it, it's it sucks for the fan because you know a lot of times you know you're, you're, you're like you said you're super excited about it. Then you get there and you're like, what the hell is this? Like this is so dumb. Why why are the starters out after two series? Um, you know, but it's uh, you know it, it's I think that for the coaches. The 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 fact that they're on TV has made them super paranoid. They don't want to show anybody anything. But then they also realize at the same time, well, hell, I've got a bunch of young kids who have never been in a big spot. I'm going to put them on TV to see what happens. <laughs> and, and that actually is useful, I think, to them, at least for like the four months leading into fall camp, because if they're if they suck, they can yell at them. And if they're great, they can yell at them. <laughs> and, and, and try to figure out what wh- why that stage bothered them so much or the why they succeeded so much on the stage so I think it does accomplish some stuff it's just not stuff that fans really I, I think care about all that much
1: anymore absolutely no I agree with you 100 uh, percent moving on a little bit to 2018 I want to ask you um, is it unreasonable for me to say that Jake Bentley has a little bit of an Aaron Murray syndrome to him all of the fact that he can't you know, Air Murray's biggest knock for I think probably the first three years of his tenure at Georgia, quarterback, he couldn't win the big game. Every big game that Georgia had, he either underperformed or you know. I think of the games against South Carolina when he, you know, didn't play all that well. You know, I think of Jake Bentley. And I really like Bentley. Obviously, you mentioned that last year. You know, he he got a little pick happy in November, and that was, uh, that was the exception, not the rule. But to me, it looks like every you know, and obviously South Carolina has been overmatched in these games, but. It seems to me, the thing that worries me about Jake Bentley personally, obviously he's going into his his junior season, which you would think is going to be the season he's going to need to break out, obviously not just for South Carolina, but for his future plans. I know he wants to play in the NFL. But against the bigger teams like Georgia, like Clemson, even Florida last year, I've noticed a disturbing trend in which he looks – not only does he look overmatched, but he looks skittish and almost intimidated from times. What is there any merit to my opinion on that? Do you think there's any? Do you see any of the same things at all with Jake Bentley?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, without a doubt, I do. Uh, and I think last year was was concerning. I, you know, and you know, I think with him, he is only supposed to be a rising sophomore. Um, you know, he reclassified and while he has the talent to start as a true freshman and Will Muschamp made the right decision to burn his red shirt and all that stuff, he, I think, maybe got a little blinded by the speed of the game You know, in his sophomore season. During his freshman year, I think he obviously played well, and he played really well against teams that weren't that good. But going through a full season, I think it just wore on him a little bit. And I don't think he was mentally prepared for that. I don't think, even if your dad is, you know, a legendary South Carolina high school football coach and you are, you know, a film nerd and all that other stuff, I think when you first go through that ringer, you're, you know, you, it's exhausting. You know, you have times where, like, you are worn slap out. And I think it just, for him, he ran out of gas. I think mentally he just wasn't prepared for it. He didn't really know what to expect. I think the speed of the game kind of, I wouldn't say surprised him, but I think the consistent speed of the game, the fact that every single week you had to be, do this stuff and be 100% on point for it, was not something that he was totally used to. And it's not really anything that anybody's used to because you don't see that competition in high school. I mean, you really don't. Even when he was playing at Opelika, uh, you know, that's that's a pretty darn good district. You don't see that every week. So, um, you know, I, I think now that he knows that that's why quarterbacks go through sophomore slumps. Like, that's the, like, if, if they're not. Full-time starters as a freshman, I think they, you know, the, the grind of a season gets to them, uh, their first full year as a starter, and I think it got to him. And and I think now they probably have to go back to the drawing board and say, all right, look, let's what went right, what went wrong, how can we avoid this, and how do you, how do you, how do we need to stay fresh? How, how does the coaching staff need to keep it, uh, keep your attention because it, it's hard to keep not just Jake, but I mean, these are college kids. I know how I thought in college. I know how I acted in college. I know a lot of people that acted like idiots in college or got distracted by stupid things or whatever. Quarterbacks are no different. They just are doing it with a lot of different people watching them on, on any given Saturday.
1: Absolutely. And I think ahead of the 2018 season, obviously South Carolina, Georgia is going to be a huge matchup in week two. I don't think he has to win, but I think that could be a huge game in which he can kind of turn the narrative as far as not only South Carolina fans perceptions, but national perception, even if they lose, but he plays well, I think that would go a long way as far as, his overall, like I said, perception as far as a quarterback in the SEC. So it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Um, one unit that's going to be helping him out in 2018 is the South Carolina Wide Receiver core. You've talked a lot about them, Barrett, on your show. What do you like most about their unit? Obviously, I think one guy that you're definitely going to mention, but what do you like most about their unit and how good do you really think they can be in this offense?
2: Well, you know, I think they're uh, they are they're dynamic. They're, they're creative. I think, um, you know, when it comes to – you know Samuel and Edwards. You know you're you're talking about two different guys. Um, you know that are, uh, you know basically the fuel to the fire for for the entire offense, right? Um, you know Brian Edwards is the big body kid. You can go make those highlight real catches we saw him last year. Debo is is Debo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So, you know, I, when it comes to to how everything and how that core works together, it really does sort of revolve around those guys. Um, and uh, if both of them can stay healthy and both of them can can keep doing what they've always done, then, you know, I, I think everything opens up for Jake. Everything opens up for the running game. A lot of deficiencies potentially in the offensive line, even though I don't think it's going to be bad, um, you know, will get hidden. So everything sort of revolves around those guys. And, and I think when it comes to um, – You know, that group, they're so different and so diverse that um, if if attention gets paid to one of those guys, either during preparation the week of the game or within a game, they're versatile enough to, to adjust and exploit where the mismatch is. And both of them can create the mismatch, not only for themselves, but for other people on that roster.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. I love the South Carolina wide receiving core. Debo Samuel, obviously, don't have to say anything about him. I think Brian Edwards can be a fantastic player, already is pretty much. Or Trey Smith, I think, is going to be extremely better in year two. You know, Shy Smith is a guy I don't think gets talked about enough that's a dynamic player as well. So I, I agree with you 100%. I think there's a couple other young guys that I think will step up, some other recruits they've got coming in as well that I think could be, could, could be contributors early. Following up on that, you know, I'm a real, you know, I'm a pretty optimistic South Carolina fan. Pretty as optimistic, I think, as you're going to find, Barrett. But one thing that's really concerning me, and I think is a huge question mark for 2018, I think rightfully so, because I feel like I've seen this movie twice and the ship, you know, it's kind of one of those things I've already seen the movie twice. The ship still sinks. Do you, do we, are, are we sold on the fact that Debo Samuel can stay healthy and play a full season? Because to me, I am... I am terrified of, you know, every time I feel like he takes a step, it's like, is he going to get hurt? Is he made a glass? Do you think he can play a full season healthy? I think he
2: can. I mean, I, th- I think, um, you know, last year was just, I mean, sometimes that stuff happens. You don't want to excuse serious injuries like that, but um, you know, I, it, it, it happens, you know? So I, I don't know if that's a referendum on him uh, and is and being prone to injuries or just one of those freak things. I think, the way he plays and, and the effort he gives does make him a little bit more susceptible um, and, and puts him at risk more than, um, you know, other guys he plays a game hard. He plays the game the right way. Um, he plays a game with a chip on his shoulder and he's not that big of a kid. And, and all of those things combined, you know, sort of put him, I would say maybe a little bit at risk. Um, so um, do I have doubts that he could play a full season? I mean, sure. I, anytime you've got guys coming off of serious injuries, you, you wonder, a, how they're going to react and be that are going to be lingering effects. But, Um, there's nothing to suggest that, that there will be, um, you know, he's, um, limited a little bit right now. Um, and they're not going to ask him to do everything right now anyway, nor should they, um, for spring practice. But, um, you know, by the time fall camp hits, sure. Uh, you you put him out there and, and, and let him do his thing because, um, you'd rather, if you're South Carolina and your Debo Samuel, a, if you're personally, you want to prove that you're not, you're not that guy. Uh, you for for yourself and for your fans and for the NFL or whatever. And if you're South Carolina, you want to go down with them or do you want to go down without them? And and with George in week two, you got to go down with them, just let them out, th- trot them out there and see what happens.
1: Absolutely. No, yeah, I was ecstatic when he decided to come back because I think a lot of fans were unsure, but I definitely think it was the right decision. I think, like you said, I think to the NFL, NFL scouts, scouts he needs to prove that he can be healthy, play a full season um i'll ask you this do you think a healthy debo samuel for a full season i mean we saw what he could do in three weeks last year first two games i was at the nc state game in charlotte took the opening kickoff back for a touchdown does the saint you know takes another kickoff back in the missouri game I, it took the first play in the kentucky game for a touchdown do you think he can be a heisman dark horse if he can stay healthy yeah i mean he could um
2: you know south Carolina's gonna have to win that or be in the national championship punt though i mean it's right. the, the team award um to, to an extent uh and really i mean if if you're gonna be a receiver that's in that mix it would help that you're also a ret- returner so i guess right. the question would then become you know how how much do they use them in that regard coming off of injury and, and we don't know until we see it but um i would imagine they use them a lot so yeah um dark horse yeah extreme dark horse uh but uh that would that would hinge on him doing something not only as a receiver but also as a special teams player and having that directly translate to you know overall team success at almost the highest level in the game and all of those things are extreme long shots in terms of you know putting up the kind of stats as a wide receiver and a returner that that makes you comparable to you know some of these quarterbacks that are out there now uh, and and also winning a bunch of games especially
1: week two against georgia Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm really pulling and hoping for a healthy Debo Samuel because, man, he was he is a fun player to watch last year. So, and I mean, obviously, I think hit the, the Gamecocks season sort of trend or projection, I think, rests solely on his leg or his ankle or whatever he messed up. So, yeah, um, yeah. so want to turn to the other side of the ball, obviously, you know it's been really interesting to watch the progression of South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina 2015 defense was absolutely miserable. The last year, the Spurrier, I mean, most of the team was, but the defense was atrocious. And that was the part of the team that fell off since 2013, since the three straight 11-win seasons. Coach, you know, Will Muschamp comes in 2016. You saw a little bit of an improvement. Last year, I think you saw a huge jump with South Carolina, I believe, either led or was tied. This was before the playoff, obviously, was tied or led the SEC in takeaways, um, which was a huge accomplishment, I thought, you know how impressed have you been with the job that Will Muschamp and T Rob obviously have done with that defense, and how good do you think Carolina can be defensively in 2018?
2: Well, I love it because they've got guys that that um, that fit their attitude. Uh, they got guys that um, you know understand you know the kind of defense Will Muschamp wants to play and and have that kind of mentality. Um, so, you know. I... I I've, I think when it comes to their defense, you have to you know start it up front. You got to have a, a a guy that can, can get to the quarterback and disrupt. And they've got one and want him. Bryce and Allen Williams seems like he's on the JT Barrett plane. He's been at in college for a decade and a half, um, still there. And I mean, I, I saw Jamias Williams uh, two years ago, three years ago maybe at the Atlanta uh, opening regional. He was a ju- he was a rising junior and. I believe he was MVP of that regional or if he wasn't MVP, he was at least uh, honored in some way after that camp. I mean, that dude is like a competitiveness just bleeds out of him. Like just oozes out of him. Uh, and that's the kind of, those are the kind of guys that, that T-Rob and Muschamp love because they work. They're, they work hard and that work ethic is contagious and affects in a positive way, the entire uh, locker room. And, and so I, I think defensively they'll be fine. Um, are they going to, you know, have some issues against some of these teams? Yeah, because they don't have the depth. Like South Carolina on both sides of the ball, they don't have the depth that other schools do. So they're going to have to be lucky. They're going to have to avoid the injury bug. Um, they got to get some guys back healthy, like like Jamias. Um, But you know, they, they they need a little luck. And but I love the I love the what the, the identity that Will Muschamp wants to bring. He's brought to that defense, and and T rod the same way. Um, they're fighters and and they're competitors and they're not all five-star kids and they're not all superstar recruits, but they all believe that they should have been. And I mean, uh, Jemais is a perfect example. If that kid was three inches taller, he'd been the best player in the country two years ago. Like uh, legitimately, I think the highest rated player in the country, Uh, but his size was a knock against him. And, you know, I think that fuels him a lot like it fueled Teron Matthew at, at LSU. So, um, you know, I I love the I love the players they've got. I don't think the depth is there, but um they, they fit exactly what Jam wants to do. They're aggressive.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. As far as Jam Williams, they obviously asked a ton out of him. I I think he played from I'm not sure if he played week one, but he played throughout the beginning of the season. I mean, he he was impressive. I mean, I think of the pick at Missouri, I think of the pick to end the game against Florida. Uh the way he played in the Georgia game, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think he's gonna be an exciting player and one of the best players, maybe not just in the SEC, but in the country for South Carolina defensively. And 100% agree with you on the depth situation, especially I think along the defensive line. I think they've got a good core as far as they're starting four, but I, I do get a little worried as far as they're going to need some guys to develop like an MJ Webb who hasn't played a lot, um, a D-tackle. I think D-tackle is probably going to be the biggest area of concern for them. Obviously, you've got Javon Kinlaw, but how many snaps can he go? Um, being you know as big a guy as he is. So it'll be really interesting to see for sure. Um, wanted to talk to you, obviously the 2018 schedule, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with South Carolina fans, with fans in general that, you know, have, obviously everyone is going to be excited for that Georgia game. You know, South Carolina, Georgia is, you know, even last year when Georgia was the number one team in the country it is a competitive game. Those games are always fun to watch. They're always, they're always dogfights, no pun intended. Um, and I've had a lot of fans tell me, you know, that is the game that is the most important game of the season. You know, circle that game If South Carolina wins that game. Their season is... X, Y, Z, whatever's going to happen. Bear, in my opinion, the biggest game of the season's coming week five at Kentucky against a team South Carolina hasn't beaten in four years. I think that, to me, is going to be South Carolina's biggest game of the season. It's going to be that swing game where it's going to kind of determine how this season goes. What would you say as far as, you know, on my thoughts on that? It better not be
2: because I don't think Kentucky's <laughs> going to be very good. Yeah.
1: Um, uh- I just think from a psyche standpoint and the fact that obviously it's been maddening. You haven't beaten that team in four years. I no, just think no, you can't afford to lose them again.
2: No, I mean, I get it. Um, it better not be a swing game though, because, uh, you know, that should be a relief game if you just get out of it um, because of that very fat I think the, the biggest one is Texas A&M because, um, I mean, not, not Texas A&M, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, Texas A&M is before the bye week. So Texas A&M yep. yeah, is, is the one before the bye week that I think, you know, you get them in Columbia. It's a you know from a talent standpoint, a team that is probably better than than South Carolina from a, from a top to bottom standpoint. Uh, but you could go into the bye week at that point legitimately with one loss if you beat Texas A because I don't see anybody up to that point that's overly you know terrifying. So if you can go into that that bye week with one loss, if it's even if it's a bad one to Georgia, um you know it, it, to me that tells me that they are you know going in the right direction and they are going to you know move forward with a pretty darn successful season that's the swing game i kentucky the road trip i think if you if you win that game it's a relief but i i think they should handle that with relative ease if you beat a team in your place that by and large is more talented than than south carolina and then get to have the bye week after that to, to sort of reset. Then I, I I think that would be enormous for that program because I do believe you, looking at it right now. If I had to guess, uh, I think that that's the difference between a one loss South Carolina team at the bye week going to play Tennessee in the next week or a two loss team. And if you're a one loss team in, the, in in mid to late October, you're doing
1: something right. Absolutely, no, yeah, I you know I like your points there, and definitely agree with you. And just another note, Texas a and a team that South Carolina has has not beaten yet since they joined the SEC. So it would be a really big one for those guys, I know for sure. Um, all right, so, you know, we've obviously touched on a little bit, but Barrett, just overall kind of a 30,000-foot view, what do you think are – or what are your realistic expectations, you know, for South Carolina in 2018? And before you answer, I you know, I think it's kind of interesting because I, I loved what you said last year about the South Carolina football team. You You were one of the few people, I think, that were – you know, calling for South Carolina to have an eight-win season. Maybe it didn't go exactly like you, you know, maybe you had scripted it, but you you had called for South Carolina to have an eight-win season. I like what you said about them last year, and I think will be similar to this year. that They're a team that needs to kind of muddy the waters, they need to make games sloppy. Again, You know, if you catch Georgia, make the game sloppy, you have a chance. You know, obviously you don't have the talent, but have a chance to win those games. Do you see a similar type team this year, obviously with the lack of depth and just kind of what do you think are the realistic expectations uh, for this South Carolina team in 2018?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know one step farther, in, in a nine-win season seems to me like it, it should be at least um, part of the goal. And that may be a little bit aggressive, but I mean, I mean, go ahead and say that Georgia and Clemson are losses. I don't think that's outlandish to say. Um, give you, with the schedule is not hard, and um, you know, give yourself one loss in a toss-up game, whether that's Texas A&M uh, or you know, they got to go to Florida, they got to go to Ole Miss. It's back-to-back weekends. That's that's not easy. Um, you know, one of those maybe. Um, but if it's if it's an eight or a nine win season, and you don't have any just head scratching, uh, inexplicable losses, then there's no problem with that. And I think South Carolina, you know, maintaining an eight win level in the regular season, or improving upon one upon it by one game in year three for must champ, that is progress, even if numerically it's not, because. You know, it's it's a division that's still going to be, I think, a little bit tougher because Tennessee and Florida got their hires right, and Georgia's doing Georgia things. Um, if you can sort of maintain that and slowly build, then then you're going in the right direction. Still, I think going to resonate in a lot of different places throughout the southeast where where you can get players that buy into what you're selling. So, um, to me, it, it just it seems like an, an eight or nine win season is is uh, something that, that should happen again and you know the schedule sets up for for especially a, a good start out of the gate
1: absolutely no yeah we're all looking forward to it obviously it should be a really fun season uh last question for you barrett before i get to some listener questions we had submitted uh what's more likely the braves make the playoffs or chase Ferguson wins the bachelor
2: uh i think the braves make the playoffs that's a question <laughs> um yeah, i think the braves make the playoffs would be more likely because uh I think they're going to be good this year. Like not like good, like world series good. And I, I always joke that they're going to be 173, no which which is <laughs> fantastic. Um, but I, I think that they're going to be around 500 at the break and might be in this wild card mix for a little bit. So um, I, I'm, I'm counting on them at least being relevant in September. Like all I want them, honestly, I just want them to get me to September. Like, even if they tail off in September, fine. But give me a reason to be pumped about baseball in late August, and I'm I'm happy, and I think they're going to do that. So I think I, I'm going to say the Braves.
1: Perfect. Yeah, I'm actually a Braves fan myself, so it would be nice for the Braves to at least be interesting or bearable to watch again. I think Ronald Acuna is going to be a fantastic player for them. He'll be he's, up
2: in a couple of weeks.
1: Probably yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. All right, want to get a couple of listener questions, Barrett, before we let you go. Um, this one comes from Twitter at a riddle eight, um, which is most, most realistic for South Carolina this year. You've already talked about it a little bit, but which is most realistic? Make it to Atlanta, another year away from that, not happening anytime soon, or a playoff appearance coming soon for South Carolina.
2: So, not happening anytime soon, a playoff appearance, or, or wait, uh, or making it to Atlanta?
1: Yeah, or being one year away from Atlanta. I think a couple of those could kind of go together, but
2: yeah, um, one year away from Atlanta. I mean. And and really, I mean, a lot of that hinges on on if Jake comes back and how quickly Florida gets and Tennessee get built up. But I mean, I I think South Carolina is I think more or less one win away from going to Atlanta this year. They have to beat Georgia, and then if that happens, then you know, where where are they going to lose two games in the SEC? <laughs> you know, um, legitimately. Uh, so. Uh, I think that might be the landscape of the SEC East this year and might be the case next year as well, depending on how much Mullen gets Florida cooking. But uh, that door for Atlanta is open, even though Georgia's a behemoth, because Georgia's the only relevant team right now.
1: Absolutely. No, yeah, I I completely agree with you. I mean, it's going to be really interesting again. I mean, I think the – I'm most interested to see the developments of Florida and Tennessee. Obviously, you know, with their – of tumultuous seasons they had. I thought South Carolina, you talked about earlier, did a pretty good job of being able to capitalize on that and, you know, recruiting battles as far as, you know, having a nine-win season. If they can keep that up this year, I think, like you said, will show a sense of stability in the program. We'll show, you know, the goals are getting bigger and better. Because one thing you was talking about earlier I thought was really funny is that, you know, know, an eight- and nine-win season – you know, the funny thing I think people forget is that South Carolina's has only won nine games in its history seven times. Right. So a nine-win season for South Carolina, you know, I'm at least a realistic South Carolina fan in that sense where, you know, again, any reasonable South Carolina Gamecocks fan that you ask that tells you that they would be disappointed with a nine-win season is just off their rocker because that type of success, you know, is just unprecedented. If you can win nine games again, like you said, I think it's going to just show – a sense of stability in the program that even with Spurrier wasn't really there. You know, they had three breakout years, but that stability really was not there. Um, Last question here comes from one of our writers, one of our South Carolina writers at Armchair All-Americans, Thomas Floyd. Um, Simply put, we've sort of talked about it again. If South Carolina does find a way to upset Georgia in week two, I, I mean, how serious do you think South Carolina's chances are to, I guess, not blow it and actually win the SEC East?
2: Well, not blowing it would be the key part because yeah. I mean, again, you know, if they beat Georgia, you'd think they're probably pretty good. Like, I, you know, you have to make some assumptions that it's not like a fluky win, right? So, if they go, if they beat Georgia in week two, you have to assume that they're a pretty good football team. And if that's the case, where are the SEC losses? Like, where where are two losses after that in the SEC? I mean, A and M and Florida, maybe. I mean, A and M and like, Where are they? You know, I don't see them. So, if if South Carolina beats Georgia, um, a you have to assume they're pretty good, and b I, I can't imagine how they don't win the SEC East because at that point the schedule's so darn easy that they're gonna have to lose twice, and Georgia's gonna still have to run the table. So, I, and they got still gonna play Auburn. <laughs> so, um, you know, I I think if 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 they win, if they beat Georgia that is wide open for them.
1: Absolutely. Well, yeah, Barrett, we appreciate you coming on. I mean, this was a blast. Obviously, my uh, my college football juices are flowing a little bit. Obviously, I've been kind of, you know, it, March Madness has been going on. We've been diving in, obviously, with college baseball in full swing, but it's great to talk college football. Uh, everyone is obviously, no matter what time of year it is, we're counting down the days of September. Even for us, we're counting down the days of July just for, uh, you know, coaches' media days. I think that kicks off kind of the fall practices and – you know, gives us just a little bit of taste of college football, but definitely appreciate you coming on. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media. All Obviously everything you're a part of with your podcast, SiriusXM, just kind of let everybody know where they can find all of your work at. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Barrett Salee.
2: Uh, download the CBS Sports app, which you can uh, now watch CBS Sports HQ 24-7, 365 free on any device, uh, whether it be a smart TV device like an Amazon Fire Stick or a uh, roku or apple tv and then also on your iphone on your tablet on on the cbs sports app 24 7 365 sports news no yelling uh just news um and so we're doing we're doing that in full swing right now uh subscribe to sec smothered and covered on on itunes subscribe to the college football hangover which is on hiatus right now for a little while uh on uh, on itunes as well and uh Listen to Sirius XM Channel 84 College, not College Sports Nation. ESPNU on Sirius XM Channel 84. We gotta, gotta get the right branding
1: in. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, Beard. Again, we appreciate it. Let's do it again sometime. Definitely. Let's come on talk some college football. And uh, you know, obviously, everyone go follow along, and we'll catch All you right, soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Barrett. Appreciate it. Again, that was Barrett Salee. We appreciate him joining. Uh, Again, if you do want to follow us, you know all of our social media handles. Please be sure to download, rate, subscribe, and share the Spurs Up show. Uh, Again, for Barrett Salee, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys listening. We will catch you next time.